Restless Midlifer podcast. Get health, weight and life back on your terms. Hi and welcome to episode 80 of the Restless Midlifer podcast. Okay, we have a great interview with David Wilkinson who's making a return to the podcast. And uh, David is a, a coach that works mainly with men who are in that position where they are seeking to achieve more, but achieve more and in terms of success that is more meaningful whilst also being there and showing up in other areas of their life. And in this episode, we build on the content and the, the, the conversation we had in the last episode, which was now several months ago. And the last time David was in sunny Spain, he's since relocated back to England. We explore that just a little in this interview. Um, but what we do is we explore what are some of the challenges that um, Many of us, midlifers, midlife men um, in particular, but I think all of us have when we're trying to sort of juggle the demands of life and work, get the best in terms of out of ourselves for for whatever it is, whether it's a career, a business or some sort of focus um, to get the best out of ourselves without sacrificing other areas of life. And those of you who know my um, philosophy around this is that it is about finding the right balance and success does not need to come at the expense of well-being. We achieve it with. And what that success is, I use the dreaded air quotes as I'm talking, is, is is up for you know interpretation, but it's about defining your own personal success. But what we get into is what can hold us back, what can undermine us, and how what David has learned and, and how he works with his clients in helping them sort through that to get to um, – the finding the things that really really work and sometimes that involves going quite deep in terms of the coaching work so that's a really interesting um episode and i and I've, I've, i loved it. it was great to have david back on so hopefully you'll enjoy that now before we dive in what i do want to do is talk a little bit about um, more i guess at the tactical level of of um how we change things because in the episode with david we talk about that deeper stuff and, and that's where real transition and transformation can come when we start to get more aware of the self-sabotage or self-cabotage as i talk uh, call it um that can be really powerful but at the same time we also do need tactics and approaches that help us day to day so what i want to do was kind of just um draw something out in terms of the anatomy of a habit and you know our habits day to day are formed and become compulsive perhaps uh, very ritualistic and routine but they become automatic and the reason for that is because your brain your conscious brain effectively you know has to sort of delegate um, these these day-to-day routines and rituals as quickly as possible to the, the rest of the mind to take care of them in that automatic manner with as minimal impact on our conscious brain. The idea being that you have a very limited capacity in our conscious brain and we need that for things like problem solving, being present in the moment um, and, and that kind of thing, creativity. Uh, but with that, the challenge is how do we change the habits? And how can we change out particularly the unhelpful habits? Now, those of you who've listened for a while, a while, you know that my approach is not to take the all or nothing and just turn your life upside down, add more pressure in because you're trying to develop new habits while resisting old ones. It is a sprout set of sweat away. It's about picking a particular problematic habit. Perhaps something's particularly gnarly and troublesome, but if we can change that or shift that or crowd it out potentially with other more positive habits, then we can have a significant impact and make progress towards our goal. And in, in much of my work, it's in the health side and, and particularly weight, weight control, weight management, weight loss. So with that, I thought I'd just kind of give you a very sort of simple overview, and I know I'm oversimplifying in this sense, but it is a useful model that is it is used within the, the literature around habit formation that can help you just get to understand what makes up a habit. 
And if we think about it, there are three elements to it. There is the trigger, the action, and the reward. Now, those three things are really, really useful to be able to identify because it then gives us an opportunity to think, right, okay, if I can apply this, what is the trigger for a particular habit? You know, for me, perhaps raiding the biscuit barrel or, you know, after a day's work saying, stuff it, I can't be bothered, let's get a takeaway. That kind of thing. There is a routine and a, a ritual, a small habit that can lead to obviously undermining my health efforts, for example. So what I what's really useful is to, to start to identify the elements of it. So what is the trigger? Well, the trigger potentially is a long day where perhaps I've been, you know, uh, very focused, very intense, dealing with something that's perhaps draining the, the coping reserves. Um, and come the end of the day, I just don't have it in the tank. So it isn't just that there isn't enough there in the tank to um, to sort of make the right decision, I guess, to, to take some time out to cook the right meal. It's also that that has become a habitual trigger to go, oh, stuff it, let's ring, ring and get a takeaway. So knowing that can help us then think, right, okay, so in terms of the trigger, that's one trigger in this one particular habit. What could I do to tackle that trigger? To firstly reduce the incidence of the trigger being um, triggered, <laughs> for want of a better way of saying it, um, to reduce the number of times that happens. Because it isn't about all or nothing, total elimination. That might be the ideal eventually. But if we can just reduce the frequency, we then have a positive impact on the overall impact of our the habits that we would have done uh, that are negative versus the habits that we interchange with it. So if we can reduce the number of times, what, what might that involve? So we then can get into, right, okay, so it's about that long day, that long intense work. It's about getting to the end of the day, perhaps not eating the right things, perhaps feeling overly hungry and really tired. What could I build into my day to help bring down the level of tiredness, perhaps to and this is where perhaps, you know, having having that um, strategic snack, as I call it, the strategic snacking. Snacking gets a bad rep, but I think strategic snacking can be really powerful. Having that strategic snack just to take off the edge of hunger or perhaps something like planning ahead, batch cooking, etc. And I've talked about that in previous episodes. Mark Telford came along and he shared some thoughts on that. And I will be writing some more in my Restless Midlife Chronicles as well, my weekly e-newsletter. So you can pop along to the um midlifereshape.com as well and check that out if you want to sign up for that. But the point is we can look proactively at how we can do that. It might be setting an alarm on the phone to remind me at say one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon, take a break, take 20 minutes out, just collect your thoughts, unwind, go for a walk, whatever, just to bring things down. Or two o'clock, take 20 minutes out to plan, right, do I need to prepare something? If we're working from what many of us are these days, could I prepare something just to make that job, that decision later on a little bit easier so don't get triggered into the unhelpful habit? The next part is the action. And the action is the actual habit, the ringing of the um, of the takeaway, for example. Now, there there's some opportunities because what we could do is we could build in delay. And uh, there's some interesting research resources. If we can build in the delay from the trigger to the actual act, it isn't foolproof, but it gives us a better chance to just think and bring our conscious thinking to, do I really want this? Is this something blah, blah, blah? And to sort of bring that questioning thought in, to align ourselves and say, is this what I really want to do with my goal? Now, sometimes the answer will be, yes, yeah, stuff it, of course I want it, fine. But what we're doing with that delay is giving ourselves that fighting chance for that rational part of our brain to go, hmm. So delay, some sort of um, gap, space between the trigger and the action could be useful. We could also think about things, well, how could I change out the action, the habit? Could I get something as a healthier choice on the menu and decide a default healthier choice? Could I have something backup plan as an action to bring in that's tasty and comforting? Perhaps, you know, a little bit more than you would normally eat on a day, but it's there, it's easy to do, you know, um, something like, you know, it's a processed meal, 
chicken Kiev, oven chips, bang them in, dead easy. And I'm not recommending that as a healthy overall, but is that healthier? And what we're trying to do is get better. So it's about lowering the friction and changing the habit out. But here's where we sometimes miss, and it's the reward bit. Because the reward bit is critical. And we don't often appreciate the value of this when we're introducing new habits. And there's some great research around this. Professor BJ Fogg in particular wrote the book Tiny Habits, talks about the importance of reward. And it's certainly important when we're looking at um, what is the payoff of the habit? Because the reward bit, the payoff, the benefit is where the um, the habit can become more embedded and ingrained and then lead to compulsion, perhaps in some of the more negative ones, or even in just, I have to do it and I feel a bit strange if I don't. So if you are into a regular exercise routine and you get that regular re- re- um, reward of the feeling of it and you're enjoying it to miss a day or two days, and this is aside from your normal rest days, you might start to feel like something, you know, you're getting a bit antsy to want to get back to the gym. That's the power of the reward aspect. And one of the things is to ensure that whatever we do has that element of reward built in. And there are the physical aspects to it. So it might be that comforting food as an alternative to the takeaway could be an alternative because it provides that comforting nature that we're looking for from the food potentially, nourishing and comforting. But there's also the psychological and emotional aspect to it as well. So it might be that do we just acknowledge it with a celebration? Yes, look at me, I made that decision. I made the right decision. Something as simple as that, a fist pump, you know, a little fist pump with it to ourselves can be really powerful in helping us do that. So in terms of it, it's about not diminishing the power of the reward and I think sometimes when we embark on health things we think we have to be all um, you know um, holier than thou I guess and not allow ourselves that one it has to be no pain no gain it has to be something I'm not enjoying I'm just going to gut it out and really that's not the sustainable way so don't forget the reward aspect to it because that's how we build in the sustainability aspect of this so have a think about that in terms of some of the habits and pick one habit one gnarly habit that is that is troublesome and if it's a particularly big one and you're not quite ready to do that um, think practice with some smaller habits and get that confidence and that experience up of changing maybe challenging the trigger looking at how you can switch out the action or build in some delay and look at particularly the reward aspect to it as well because that can be really powerful there's also the social side that can be really beneficial in that the reward could be just a social connection the fist pump for me at the end of the crossfit section session can be really useful it's just something magical and great um, at the end of a session and it makes you feel good so it can be something really simple so anyway some food for thought there pardon the pun um, and uh, let me know what habits you might be challenging or any questions you have around that dave at restlessmidlife.com i'd be really interested to know what your thoughts are or your experiences and experiments with it um, but for now on with the interview with david wilkins hi david well it's great to have you back this is uh, round two or the sequel the return of um there's been loads happening happened i guess in your life and business and what have you um and i wanted to dive in with to some of the work that you're doing uh etc um but just for the benefit of the listeners i think last time round we were doing this and you were in spain and um, we were talking about your work, et cetera, there. Things have changed a little bit for yourself. So uh, do you want to sort of update us and bring us up to date, and then we could dive into um, some some of the deeper stuff, I guess. Yeah, no, perfect. Yeah, thank you for having me back, Dave, obviously. Um, you know, I, I did move back to the UK for this and for the rain, mate. So <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. I'm yeah. back from sunny Spain for the rain. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, <laughs> so last, I mean, last, like, say, last year, I was living in Spain from... It was like September 2020 to like October 21. And then obviously moved back into the UK. Um, you know, a couple of reasons that we don't need to get into, but some of them were business as well and personal professional. So coming back to the UK and then 
living in Newcastle, then establishing um, business and things um, here and get my own place as a coach as well. And being able to go face to face with clients again has obviously been been a positive, you know, over, over this. Well, it's almost been a year again since I've been yeah. back. So there you go. Um, and obviously, I, I don't, I think I've, um, I got married as well. I don't think I was married. I think I was engaged when we last spoke. So I've also got married as well. So there we go. That's right. Could you just redo that? And I'll cut the bit out where you said, I think. <laughs> Make it certain. <laughs> just... I think I got... I'm certain. Yeah. That... <laughs> no, no, I don't, I know I got married, <laughs> but I believe I wasn't married. Yeah. So I've got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm only joking. No, yeah, it, I mean, it has been a lot because from just to sort of frame it, that obviously there was a lot happened. Our conversations a good few years ago where it was about the, the coaching journeys we've both been on in terms of undertaking yeah. it, then lockdown happened. And I think that was very formative, wasn't it? Because you had some ambitions to take to take the business, yes. uh, well, to do do something, take yourself away and run it sort of um, virtually. Um, but then obviously things changed. And I guess one of the things that I remember us talking about was having more personal contact and in-person contact, wasn't it? What was that? What was, was that a, a big thing for you then? Yeah, I mean, it was huge. I mean, obviously, like we say, we spoke about, you know, the lockdown and how that gave me the opportunity to go more into this coaching because I was still straddling two careers by definition of obviously money as well and feel like being able to pay for your lifestyle. I wasn't making enough as a as a coach at that time. But by having that the the gym locked down, I was able to like, well, let's just go all in for this and see what can happen. It grew really well, obviously, because of COVID, people were online. And I just transitioned that when I was in Spain to stay online. Now, I think the online element, and I still obviously do online coaching, of course I do, because geography, et cetera, you know, it demands for that. But I feel there's a there's such a powerful connection being in, a, in the same room as somebody. So when I came back to the UK, I was saying to myself, like, one of the big steps that I want to take is get my own office, do it out into a coaching environment and start getting my clients to at least come to me, even if it's once a month or once every couple of months, um, to really get that kind of deeper dive connection, build that relationship. Um, And in my opinion, yes, I can coach very powerfully online, but there's something very special with having another person in the room, you know, working face to face. I think you pick up on so much more of the, the the nuances of body language and the conversation, the tone, et cetera. So yeah, that's been a massive shift for me this year. Yeah. 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 I get that. And and we're both in that same board, aren't we? Geographically uh, with a, a lot of clients spread around yeah. needs most, <laughs> and you do, you do do your best and you can, as you say, have some really, really powerful sessions. Um, but I think you're right. It, it uh, in-person and I think this is the same for human beings, isn't it? Generally, you know, you know, we we've yeah. learned this over lockdown that um, this has been a fantastic means medium. You know, the the zooms, the teams, the yeah. whatever's been fantastic. I mean, I don't know where we'd be without it. Yeah. Um, but one of the things now that I'm obviously going back into organisation, doing some sessions and and whatever, and and a lot of them have been the first time that these regional areas have got together. Um, there is a magic and a power there. I've just been able to go, oh, do you know what? I, it's lovely to see your face and meet you in person. I know you joined you joined whilst you're in lockdown. Or, oh, God, I haven't seen you for ages. That human connection is powerful at that very basic level. And it's something that we need as human beings, isn't it? 100%. I, I couldn't agree more with you, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So I guess really in terms of that, because with the restless midlife, for me, that 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 adaptability and, and you changing and nimble, if you like, moving around and making decisions is, is for me is epitomizes the idea of the restless midlife. It's not getting it's not being changed for the sake of it, but it's being ready to adapt and change rather than retreating into the ruts or getting stuck there. And and I think that's the challenge, isn't it? For for many of us, we we're working hard. There's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. Perhaps things like health, et cetera, slip and slide, but we can also get that sort of fear of stepping into something different or something something new, something scary and what have you. So to see the changes is, is really good. It's really exciting as well, you know, from my point of view, to see to see what you're up to. Um, but how, do you, how does that, you know, in terms of the clients you work with, it's, it's you generally focus on working with men, aren't you, at the moment in that. What is it about their what are the reasons that they come to you? And and in terms of that, is it around that changing and making big changes in the life? What are they looking for? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. You know, um, <clears throat> obviously, I, I do primarily work with men. Um, but in a, if I if I am working in a corporate area with leadership teams, it, it the the gender is irrelevant. I work with men, women, which is part of my work. It's important to always kind of acknowledge because I actually put a post out about this I think it was earlier this week which is like it's got nothing to do with like you know being a you know a sexist maniac you know or anything like that it's just the way I looked at it for the male element was being a man myself was I was able to find a level of relatability you know I I ran businesses myself I've been self-employed since 2007 um, I've made many mistakes through through running a business, many mistakes in the, the neglect of my personal life or my mental well-being, found out like would hide a lot of way inside, make everything look like I was okay on the outside, you know, you know, the, what, how those regular questions, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine, I'm good. But on the inside, you know, there was a lot of stress and pressure. And I just, by going into my own journey and, and being coached myself and able to, to kind of, extract all of those limiting beliefs that we can have as men and as humans, obviously, of course, was able to start to see what I could feel and be like as a male and the opportunity that was available to be still successful, still powerful, still strong, still driven, but be in touch with feelings, be in touch with connection, be available to people around, be okay with my emotional states, which is something that we're not comfortable with. And now when I start working with men, because I've, I'm not finished by any means or complete on the journey, of course not, you know, I'm still on my journey, but there's a level of like, I've been deep, I've been in myself, I've looked at my my childhood, I've looked at my traumas, I've looked at my limitations. So when I sit with a man, I've got no judgment. Like there's no judgment of how they are. I can see where they hurt. I can see the pain that they feel. I can see where there's, there's, there's they want to be the best version of they can be as a husband and a father. And it's just about being able to get them to open up in a patient way and knowing what it was like for me. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but give it time. It can be life-changing. And and that's a beautiful opportunity to work with men and 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 help support that, which I think is an invaluable part of of society really right now. Because you know we always have this conversation, don't we? Men, you know, closing up, not being in touch with emotions. Suicide is naturally a little higher in males to a certain age demographic, and we just lock everything up. Well, trying to change that, support people, change that, 
and answer the other part of your question, what do they come for me for? Well, they want achievement, right? So they want to achieve higher levels of performance, higher levels of success, higher income, but do it whilst they're not damaging the relationships or damaging the marriage, which they probably have done to some degree in the past or affected the health. So it's about being able to achieve those levels of success without burning everything else to the ground, you know, making sure all ships are rising in every part of their life um, and getting them to a place where they are happy and they're less stressed and they're having more fun in what they do and they're doing it authentically in their way. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And I think this, I understand with, with a post, it, it like setting that out. Um, but for me, it's about connection, isn't it? And yeah. and like every human being, there's there's loads of variety. Yeah. <laughs> it's variety and diversity out there. But every human being, it's about how we connect and in what way do we best connect. Mm-hmm. No, we want to serve you. Want to serve, etc. We want to kind of be there for other people, and it's that dimension that we connect on that I think is really important. And that's what it's about. You know, there are some things that I'll never be able to connect with. Mm-hmm another bloke, another person, or whoever, but there are areas where I can and where we can, if that sits right and it feels right, then, and it's, it's what we feel like, yeah, this is where I'm meant to be. Go for it. You know, I mean, ironically, I, I I work coach with a lot of uh, women clients. Now Um, the dimension that I'm connecting on is the, I guess, certain aspects of the the health and weight loss journey and some yeah. of the challenges around that yeah. uh, but i can still never say it. i know exactly what they're doing feeling and experiencing but as a coach i've got the great get out in a sense that i don't have to be an expert on yeah. that just like yeah. you don't have to be an expert you can connect but you don't have to be an expert on that person person a b or c yeah and that's the beauty of coaching i guess isn't it so yeah brilliant so in terms of that then that's an interesting dynamic isn't it about how to juggle that because having made that mistake myself and still potentially prone to to falling into that very focused mindset that I can have of like yeah. this is it and and not having the time or space to to stop and pull away you know my head not having the time to focus on the thing the other things that matter it's very easy to get lost in that so how do you help how do you help um those clients those men who are coming to you mm-hmm. to um to sort of juggle that out because that's achieving more greater success whatever that is while still yeah. or repairing some damage or whatever what what's that approach so the approach to begin with and and this is what i talk a lot about is we're we're sucking into a world of more <clears throat> so we feel like we have to do more this is where there's a little bit of a, a sticky part with everything because we, we're all based in strategy action right and what we have is an opinion of like I need to be more disciplined, more motivated, more committed. I need to work harder, be more productive. And by definition of that, I need to be a better father, better mother, better body, like whatever, right? There's this need of like, I'm not all I, I'm not whole the way I am. There's something wrong. There's something inadequate. There's something not right with me. That's how we will see a lot of stuff, which makes the individual start searching for, well, how do I fill that gap and do more and accomplish more? But then they're also drowning under the pressure and the stress of all the responsibilities they currently have. So they're stuck. And my approach is not to do more, but to take away. It's to dissolve and remove. And what the the basis of it is, is to remove the limitations that every individual places upon themselves. Those mental constructs that exist in the subconscious to be able to start dissolving those narratives that we have of ourselves. 
because then we're no longer creating compensational habits or over um, behavioral adaptations. We now can make decisions based on freely. Do I want this? Do I not? Do I engage with this? Do I not? What's for me? What's not for me? What do I get to let go of? What do I get to engage with? And they're coming from a place of freedom, which is which is what limitless possibility is from freedom of choice versus a need or have to because of my gender, my age, what society thinks, and all of the mental constraints that I have through my upbringing, all informing. And what's happening is people are stuck and limited. Yeah. Now, so that because I, I love that when you said about dissolve away, because I think that that is that is where the key is, isn't it? Because we don't want to give more, or we don't want them to take on more in in order yeah. to achieve this journey, because that that just compounds the problem, doesn't it? Yes. You know, it just adds more pressure. So that dissolving, and so how do you what what some approaches then? What how do they progress through that journey? Because I can imagine just this is just me speaking from me. Um, that you can hang on to them. You don't want to let them go. You don't want to let these things go because they've served you. They've got you to where you are. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's absolutely true, Dave. There's like an element of certain things will get us to, to where we are. And it doesn't mean that that thing is, it was no good, but it just might not be relevant moving forward, that, that behavior. I mean, most of the time, like I, I laid this out in a talk today, I, I, can I lay you out five reasons why we get stuck for just dead simple, right? Like this is why the the mental construct of the limitation is created. Number one, you've got every, um, your inherited behavior from the age of four, five, and six. So you've got your upbringing, no fault. It's not about blaming parents or peers or anything like that. It's not about the blame game, which is what people sometimes think. It's about literally what I saw, what I heard, and what was exposed to me in that age demographic. And not having a filter as a child means I cannot discern what's not mine and what is mine. So if a parent says to you, you're stupid, you don't have the filter to go, that's on them and not me. So I might start taking that on. So you've got everything that's inherited, number one. You've got the second thing, which is the primal and universal constraints that every human being has on the planet, and there's 10 of them. And all of these exist, but we just have varying degrees of them. So some of them might be more powerful for you. Some of them might be just pretty much, I don't feel anything about that. But we all have a certain degree of all 10. They'll exist in, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm stupid. I'm not smart. I'm not lovable. I'm not safe. I'm not okay. They'll exist in these. These don't go anywhere, then they're always existing in us. So there's the second part. So that's your primal element of being a human. You've got your third part in there, which is your behavioral adaptations to survive against things that hurt you as you were young. So everybody has behavioral adaptations, which are survival mechanisms against things that hurt us. This could be anything from some sort of abuse that we experienced to I was reading out in class one day and everybody laughed at me and I got upset. Anything. And you create behavioral adaptations. What may they look like? Perfectionism, people pleasing, need to be liked, introvert, imposter. They start to create these kind of behaviors to navigate those not being hurt anymore. Right. Which would mean like if you thought of a CEO, you were laughed at in class for reading when you were seven years old yet you're 45 and you can't do a presentation and you're CEO of a company because the same energetics still exist in that part. Hmm. Number four, you've got your identity, you created who you think you are and who you think you're not. 
all based upon all those. So you've got, I'm this, I'm this, I'm not this, I'm not that. It's all a perception, not a truth, but we see it as it is based on them. And the fifth thing is the results we experience in the physical world. So the results we have, whether or not that's our body shape, our income, our bank balance, our relationships, we will then look at what's not right, what we think is inadequate, and judge and belittle our shortcomings and all of that. And those judgments reinforce that we think we've got a problem and we need to fix something. And there's five reasons just stacked in themselves as we've just gone through our normal life, trying to get through and do our best. And we're just stacked up against these and we think we need to do more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love the word you, you mentioned the word navigating through and, and a, a lot of these are in order to navigate through life. Yeah. And that pride, that drive is not even, it's not even there to make you happy because you could be navigating through life, but be thoroughly miserable and crushed by those things. Couldn't you? Yeah. And that's fascinating. It forms your identity, which yeah. can be really, really hard to, to sort of shift. Yeah. So what you, when you're saying we try to dissolve those away and you've identified five, is it the case that you see, I'm kind of already thinking of me cabbage, you know, the cabbages that, that I use the metaphor, the demands and, and whatever we have yeah. the cabbage, we're going to slice that cabbage of, what's holding me back, what's getting in the way. We slice it down to the five slices. Mm -hmm. Do you take one at a time and then work with them on that? Or is it kind of, how, how do you work with somebody on that? Yeah, so what I want to do is, is when I'm working with a client, is I want to know what the what is the, the deep subconscious belief they hold of themselves. I right. want to know what it is. And the, by, the way I get through that is by coaching them all the way back through the history, through everything, like all their experiences that they've had to, to find and discover what that is for them. I don't know what it is, but if you think uh, something like, um, you know, I live with anxiety, very normal, but still very human, that's the red flag. So then we want to go back and back. So you always think like, well, this is the outcome. What's the cause and effect that somebody has in their behavior? What's the belief that they have in themselves? Where was it created and why? Sometimes the why and where it came from wasn't always as important, but still it helps the person know and what we want to do is, and this is the key, is we want to discover the lie. It's a lie. The, the fundamental lies. They're not truths for people, but yet we live that they are. Like people would say a fundamental overcasting comment, I'm stupid. We think that's nothing, but it is the lens in which the person sees their life through as it relates to themselves, which will mean that when they're in places where they don't feel smart, they will do something which is either sabotage themselves or compensate their behavior. For example, having a conversation with a client yesterday, very smart individual, very competent, but then there's some areas of his work that he's not as intelligent in his world as other people are. And instead of just being able to sit there and listen and ask better questions and find out or let a colleague take over that section, he'll overcompensate on the, on the conversation and take it back down to his level so he's in control. Well, that's affecting the client, it's affecting him, and it's affecting his colleague. Mm. He's not doing anything wrong. It's not wrong that he's doing it. It's just very unhelpful for him. Mm. So we want to be able to get right back into what is the deep construct or subconscious belief they have of themselves discover that it's not a truth and rechange the perspective. If we can rechange the root cause and perspective, we can start creating new habits and behaviors, and then we can start creating new results. The way most personal development world exists is just changing habits and behaviors. Yeah. 
but you haven't changed the root cause. And that's why it's two steps forward, two steps back for most people in one or two areas of life. The Midlife Reshape Academy is now up and running and the founder members are off to a great start. If you too are a midlifer and you're finding your health and weight have slipped in the wrong direction, you're feeling overwhelmed and lost by the prospect of embarking on yet another attempt to regain your health, then drop me a line at dave to find out how my Reshape Immersive programs can help provide everything you need to get you back on track and achieving more than you thought possible in terms of your weight, health and zest for midlife and beyond. You can find out more at midlifereshape.com. Yeah, yeah, this is where we, when we catch up, we have these conversations and I love this because I think you're right. Um, and at some point, sometimes the change of a habit or a routine or whatever can work and that'd be fine. It depends on the level you're working at. But if you are, yeah. as you said, if you've got somebody who's trying to strive for something that, you know, I really do want this, I want to find that balance and I want to do that, then it does take going back there. And there was something that you said there and, and uh, one of the things that I think, when looking at these things is does it serve me the question is does it serve me now at one level it does Mm -hmm. because you've been using it all this time but in what way is it serving you and is that serving you you know in that that deeper sense because that behavior you just described is obviously serving a purpose it's protecting him it's keeping him you know functioning and protecting him but it's not the bigger picture it's not really serving him and more importantly in terms of where he wants to go Mm-hmm. or what he wants it, how I want to show up, how I want to be in various bits of my life and what I want to ultimately achieve. <clears throat> well, yeah, but because his behavior is limiting, isn't it? That's why mm. he's created a limitation. He's not free. So yeah. he's not free to be in the moment with the availability of what's possible in the moment to be open to the present possibility. He is under the impression I've got to regain control here because I'm not smart. Yeah? yeah. So it's it's fascinating. And and. And it is true, like, it's not to say, like, that these behaviours are wrong or bad that people have, but they are limiting. It is a little bit like, if I if I don't feel good enough, let's say I don't feel good enough or worthy, right? That would look like, that can look like somebody setting out onto a journey to prove that wrong. So what they might do is they might become overcompensating and achieve extreme levels of success. So they've Mm -hmm. got like the six-figure income, they've got the corner office, you know, they've got the nice suit, they've got the nice car, but it's 10 o'clock at night and they're still in the office. The relationship with the wife's strained and they don't see them and they haven't put their kids to bed for three weeks running. And society would go, they're successful. But actually, what might be happening is they might be compensating for a deeper inadequacy that is driving them, yeah. no matter what, to prove, Dave, a lie. Yeah. I'm not good enough. That's the problem. It's the lie. Yeah. Do you know that? And, and I think this comes back to a couple of things. I think you, it's the energy we put into that. And you're right, the judgment around from outside can be that seems great and and the more i the, the more i live on this planet the more i realize there's very 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 few people who are the real not not real who are the finished article yeah <laughs> i haven't I don't, I don't think i've met one actually do you know there's, what i mean there's no way <laughs> yeah yeah thanks that's that's the shorthand for that isn't it no but the point is like with all different degrees of work it's whether you are doing the work or yeah. using that energy that you do the work with to maintain the facade of that that behavior and really that behavior in the moment is serving that serving them mm-hmm. in that very limited purpose but if this is where i think the power of having a vision and a goal outside of that 
mm. always having it and never be in the finished article. Mm-hmm. Because if you suddenly think, right, I'm done, I'm sorted, you you can only retreat back to the very short sighted what's serving me here and now. Whereas that outer goal, if we can align whatever, or you find that that behavior actually it might be serving this small need, but it's not moving me wherever I want to be. That balance that you're talking about between family and success, etc., then it's stark and it stands out. And I think that's the beauty of it, isn't it? By tuning in, so I'm kind of sort of assuming this with your work. I know this from conversations that it's a combination of exposing those, but against what they want to achieve. Yes. Yeah, because because that, that's where there's 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 non-alignment, is there? So it's it's almost like what I want to achieve, but yet I don't believe it's possible for me on a deeper level. So yeah. what we have to do is is ensure that the goal or outcomes that they want are aligned to who they believe that they are, because you can't be somebody you don't yet believe yourself to be. That's why you've got to go inwards. Like there's there's this. Like everything has its place, right? Like your goal setting has its place and your strategy and direction, it's it's essential. Adjusting habits and behaviors and, and, and upgrading them are essential, but so is the bigger underpinning piece, which is the perspective you hold of yourself. And you must be working kind of like almost like all of these things at once because what's going to happen is, is you're going to raise them up and you're going to come up against your next glass ceiling, which is where you're going to be revealed where you're not free, but there's an opportunity to break through that. But the more you get used to breaking through it, the less difficult it is for you. Like at first, it's like really challenging to dissolve and take away all these constraints. But as you get further and further through and you get more comfortable, it's like you catch them quicker. You catch the negative thoughts, you catch the negative patterns, and you're able to, what we want really is be free to choose. Do I choose to act that way? Do I choose to act that way? A lot of people don't act from choice, which is like the guy in the office is like, I I have to, I need to. Well, he's not free, he's under pressure, but there's no having to or need to in anything of life. He just thinks that there is in that moment, which is like what's saying creates limitation. It's brilliant for driving business, but just imagine what would be available to him without that concern and constraint. Absolutely. And the other thing, you know, that that you wouldn't talk about when you first start to do it, it's deeply, deeply uncomfortable, scary, whatever, you know, it's, it's yeah. incredibly uncomfortable. But and I always remember my coach, Ron uh, Lawson, who's been on the podcast, um, he he said that as it starts, as you start to get used to it, and as it starts to happen, you start to get a sense of enjoyment and excitement out of that process at that point. And that's not the point that you've made it, but it's the point that you've moved away from seeing it as this is awful work I've just got to do through to actually this is exciting because what's it going to bring? Yes. In, exactly. in, in the next, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a lovely thing. And I do speak sit with clients and it's not like, right, sit down and let's talk about all your inadequacies and all the ways you feel in life. It's not that. It's it's 100%. It's not that. It's it's like, look, this is not a place of judgment. Something you said earlier on, Dave, you said about uh, space. We talked about making space in our conversation before. And it's like, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to take space between what is happening in your life that you don't like and you because you're right up against it and you're in it and you're almost enmeshed with what it is and you're all your beliefs around yourself and where you're underperforming as a human are part of that well we've got to get some space between this we've got to slow down we've got to take a breath we've got to like remove the judgment and just make it not about you but something that you do to then almost like deconstruct it a little bit and find a bit more ease with it, a bit more freedom, a bit more lightness with it. 
you know, I said in the talk today, some of these things can be heavy, like like a heavy sense of like, especially as people's past and history and, and hurt moments. And it's like, we're trying to bring a little compassion with that. We're trying to bring a little bit of care with that, which is very interesting male to male, you know, like bringing that space of like, you know what? It's just compassion. There's no judgment. And let's just go through this gradually at the, at the pace for you. And over time, you just, you see these things as almost like light and funny, like, oh, I've done that again, but it's okay. And then I can choose to navigate this way. Mm. That's, the, that's the kind of approach, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And, and playfulness can become part of it, can't it? because it, it, it's a, a way of just shifting your perspective. One of the things I was kind of thinking there as you go, is, particularly with with men, is the, is this um, is how we come to be where we are in terms of. And I, I am generalising. There's a range here, but I think typically you can find this with uh, a, a lot of men that you 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 become very closed off emotionally and part of that in terms of some of my reading around it is uh you know into in terms of the development is that there's there's the it starts as a boy it starts young Mm -hmm. you know there is this lag in terms of development of the brain even you know neurology between boys and girls in terms of that and that emotional development kind of takes a bit longer or even you know a lot longer but they're already into a place where they're having to sort of catch up emotionally and develop their coping strategies at that age. So you're unpicking it, potentially unpicking a lot. And I know what you're saying. We're not trying to dig in and necessarily dig in the past, perhaps as a therapist would. Yeah. Understanding and just seeing it like that can be really, really free and kind of for, for anybody yeah. to just think that's why that can be really powerful, can't it? To then be able to move on. Yeah. hundred percent. It's yeah. It's because what we don't, we're not, we're not therapists. I'm not a therapist. Dave. That's not what I'm trained in. So I'm not looking at past trauma and hurt and going okay let's deal with that that's somebody else's job but it is to understand where was the perspective of yourself created or the limiting belief and what is it what is it is it is it is it um i'm 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 not good enough and that could be something as simple like you had a sibling who was a little older than you and what you saw is your parents in your opinion, give them more time than you and more love than you did it's not a truth but it's what you saw and maybe it was your truth but that's it's only about how it's affecting you now. That's what yeah. we're looking at, isn't it? It's about well, we realize that we can see it differently or we can choose to integrate it into our life. We can choose to let go of it or just acknowledge it's a thing. But what are we going to do today? That's a little different. And it's kind of going back to kind of come back out of it with a new lease of life, a new freedom, a new playfulness, a new kind of lightness around self. And I do witness far greater results because of this. You know, it, it is making a, a change in the longer-term approach with people. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it, you're, you're right. I mean, so the, it's, um, I can't remember who said this, but it's like you're knocking on the door of therapy, but you're not actually going through because obviously as ther- we're not therapists. Yeah. But I have, I, I mean, this is just as a professional, one professional to another question really. I've had experience where I obviously had to park the coaching for now because something, the door's been opened and it's kind of like, okay, we need to get you support and professional support on that side of it. You know, we to step into there and you get the right person. But also there's that running it alongside sometimes depending on what the nature of it is, you know, kind of we'll do the coaching, but whilst at the same time you're working with a therapist and, and these things can happen. I mean, any experiences with that yourself? Yeah, ma- mainly... The, the main one that I've had is is getting to a point with the client or clients and they've acknowledged some sort of 
heavy trauma that happened when they were younger. And then I have referred them to a therapist and that, and then I've parked that time with them there. And that's probably the more powerful place for their journey to go and being able to just step aside and go, well, we can't, we're not ready to move forward with what your goals for your business and your future want to be when you haven't grieved or dealt with what happened there. And then that's up, that's up to them and the professional. I've never ran a parallel to somebody yet. But that that's that could happen, you know, providing that I think somebody is dealing with the right thing with the right individual. I wouldn't like to cross over if that makes sense too much. Yeah. And to caveat that that that's very much where it's not, you know, it was a another issue. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily that kind of trauma that we're talking about. So it can sometimes happen. But I was just just curious because I think the thing here is, and particularly for listeners, if if this this is where, you know, if you're sitting listening as, as that restless midlife or so-called and kind of questioning things, it can feel like I haven't got the space to even think about what I want to do. And we often think about that, well, I've got to do. And actually part of this is to go, right, let's create some space by just giving ourselves a break, dissolve that, you know, take the pressure off. Yeah. Then that can create that space. Yeah. Sometimes it might mean that we we recognize we've been covering over something that we actually do need to deal with. So therapy is, it's like my car breaking down. I haven't got a clue. Yeah, what to do with it. You know, I would have to take it to the mechanic that mm-hmm. you know to do with it. And our brains are far more complex than that. So sometimes yeah. we need that. You know, then we might need a coach, or the coach is there to sort of say, right, okay, so where do you want to take this vehicle? You know, and yeah. in that we need to see what we need, tire pressure, all that. You know, different things. But kind of mangling that metaphor now. But the point of it is that um, if we're in that place, um, where I start is by creating the space. I love that. I think that's that's a great. Mm-hmm. Or, because I think the getting started or even knowing where to start is is a it's a real challenge to get over that first bump, that first mm-hmm. hurdle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's you clients come, we have sessions, that's the space starting to be created. It's there and then, isn't it? It's slowing down for that hour to two hours, however long we're doing. It's creating the opportunity to create space and talk and just have somebody sit and listen to you. There's there's very few people in our world, and you know this day for yourself, not only personally through your life, but also as a coach, not many people are listening. <laughs> Most people are advising or thinking about their turn to talk. That's just, they're not doing anything wrong. They just no. don't know to stop and listen. So you and I get the beautiful benefit of learning that essential skill to sit with another person and you're just listening and they feel heard which is probably the first time in a very long time if ever they were heard and then that's that gives them that space to just breathe a little bit start getting things out of their head start getting their thoughts out or their feelings out and we're just unpacking aren't we we're unpacking and as the more we unpack the more we put down and the more lightness that the individual has and the more they are revealed. And this is the way I would like to describe it for the podcast listeners is my ethos is not, it's not about being more than you are. It's about being all that you are. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, and the, there's a great, there's a beautiful analogy that I love to share that fits in, alongside this. It's about, it's about a revealment. So there's a, there's a st- the famous statue of, of David that was carved by Michelangelo, the famous statue that's in Florence, yeah? And it's like this famous, like, marble statue of, of, of obviously, David. And it's the one where he's kind of, like, lean and he's, you know, he's 
kind of nude and everything like that. It's a world famous one, right? But the the point of that was Michelangelo carved that out of one block of marble, like one block in marble, and he carved this beautiful, intricate statue. And in the interview, he was asked, like, how did you create David out of that block of marble? And he said, David was already in there. I just revealed them by taking away everything that wasn't David. And now that's what I kind of like to align my work towards is it's taking away and dissolving all the things that you aren't. From those five areas that we spoke about earlier, they are what pack on this kind of armor, this protection, this this kind of structure, which makes life heavy and, and complex and very heady and very upset now life obviously of course it does has its pains and it's suffering like any like of course it does it has that has pain of loss and grief of course it does and sadness but as we're on this journey wouldn't it be great just to be a bit lighter a bit happier a bit freer to take away all these bits now at the beginning part we're having to hack away big chunks of marble because it's the new bit it's he- it's harder work it's heavier bits it's big but as we get further down which isn't just a little bit you're looking more refined and more yourself. It's just a little bit, just a little bit. And that's a beautiful analogy that fits the work that I do. Yeah, it is. And actually beautifully put as well, because uh, how many of us, I, I think this is a more common than we think, is that many of us don't know who we are, don't know who that is underneath the, the marble or the, the baggage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you because you end up spending time growing and just adapting to life and be, becoming something else, some something else to meet the circumstances or the expectations. And I think this is the wonderful opportunity, particularly when you know I'm talking very much from the rest of the midlife. But I don't; it's not an age thing. You know, it, it's a state of mind. It's that point of going, well, firstly, who am I? And surely there's more to life than this. So that idea of just shedding the stuff that is not you. Is a is is brilliant because it is it is that journey of discovery. I can understand and certainly feel felt it from myself in the past. Is it's frightening, it's terrifying to start to think actually, I'm going to be me outside the world. What if somebody laughs or find you know all of those things? But that's that point. It's a it's the journey of starting to grow, get to comfortable, be comfortable with that, and more than comfortable, you know, thrive in it and 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 shine. I guess is a you know for me that's that's the power of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, people are just doing the best with what they know. We're not sitting here like judging it. And like we do realize and acknowledge that it is a little scary and a bit fearful and a bit concerning because you because you were taking away the things you're holding on to or that you think you're holding on to the illusionary element of control. But actually, there's freedom on the other side of this. There's there's excitement, there's curiosity, there's exploration, there's 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 a sense of lightness and and happiness that's available to the individual who's willing to go through the journey of this but to get so we must be able to take things away that declutter it would be like decorating the room that you're in Dave and going I tell you what what we'll not do is we'll not empty the room we'll just fill it with more stuff and then we'll try to paint it and you can't even get any of the walls you can't (laughs) even get any of anything you you empty the room to redecorate and then you fill it with new content that matches, which would be the new habits and behaviors that an individual could live from that best suit who they are in this moment, not their version of their old hurt self that is affecting their current reality and future. 
that's another powerful metaphor as well. Um, I love that. I think you're absolutely right. I'm conscious of time here, David. Again, this is another great conversation, which is why I was so keen to get get back to another episode because we have these great conversations when we catch up and just to share them because I think as well as two coaches talk and we've all been we've both been through the journey and I think it's about sharing that very human thing that mm-hmm. you know if we get to that point you can and yes it might need some support some a bit that little bit of courage and I think it takes just a little bit of courage sometimes yeah. just to, it doesn't take the mountain of courage you sometimes think but we can and and it's about I love that uh analogy of just carving it out to reveal who you are you already are so brilliant yeah. but any any parting thoughts David before we kind of um shoot off I've got to go pick Rosie up from school um so all the the real life has to has to take place again so. yeah I just think like something for people like if they are listening to this and like like we always will go to that place like some people listen to this and go fantastic like they'll get some great awareness some people might go it isn't for me some people might go oh my god now I've got a I'm not, I don't even know who I am. And now I'm not good. Like they'll start going like that. And I just want to let people know, like, it's okay. Like you're doing the best that you can. It's absolutely okay to be where you are. And and one of the things I would say for anybody, doesn't matter what, where your life is and the same for us, like we are where we are and we're where we're exactly meant to be in this moment. And it's okay. And if we do want to move forward or create new possibility for our life and get out these predictable sabotaging habits, then it's about being open to what is possible. And by virtue to get there, we must also acknowledge I'm okay where I am and who I am in this moment. And then it's okay if I want to go past that without putting too much pressure on it. Yeah, fantastic. Couldn't think of a better way to finish. Um, So just for listeners' benefit, everything will be in show notes, including links to David. Um, Any... Do you want to give a shout out to how they can get in touch with you if they do right off the bat to have a chat or follow up on anything? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for the social media, it's uh, LinkedIn. So David Wilkinson on LinkedIn. Uh, David Wilkinson co- uh, Coach on Instagram. And the website is I am, what was it? I am David Wilkinson.com. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Just give you the check. links. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll stick them in the show notes. But I don't thank even you. Know website. That's terrible, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it actually probably shows you where, you, like, let's be right. In this day and age, there's so many connection points, and LinkedIn obviously is a is yeah. a connection point to you. And and the the post again, just a shout out to the post that you put on there are very real and grounded as well. So I really enjoy reading those. So thank you for that. And thanks again for your time, Dave. It's been a, a, a privilege. So thanks for that. And hopefully listeners, you I was going to say readers, listeners, you've got uh, some food for thought and you can find more at uh, uh, Midlife Reshape. Do you know what? I can't even remember mine. Midlifereshape.com. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, thanks. Thanks for your time, Dave. Thank you for having us on, Dave. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. You'll find all show notes, links and resources mentioned at midlifereshape.com forward slash podcast. And it would mean so much if you could spread the word to your fellow restless midlifers. Share the show and links. And if you aren't already, subscribe to the show in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing. If you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting midlifereshape.com forward slash review. It would mean so much, and I may even give you a shout-out in return. And a quick final thanks to production assistant Karen North of North VA and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers at musicformakers.com. Take care for now, and don't forget you really can reshape your midlife health and rekindle that spirit of adventure.